amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, and thank you. Good evening, good evening, and thank you for calling into the Soul Cafe. This is your host, Minister Tina. Um, my other host, Miss Chama Sinclair, she may not be joining us tonight due to a death in the family, but our prayers are with her right now at this time. So I want to just, again, I just want to thank you for calling in. And tonight, we're going to have a good show. Uh, we're going to talk about the following topics. We're going to talk about um, what it is to walk wounded. 
Will you sit under a pregnant, unwed pastor? And has the church today become perverted? So I'm going to go into my first um, topic, which is about soul food. Uh, my soul food topic today, just based on what I experienced today, is to be okay with change. It's very important that we are okay with uh, changes that we have to make with ourselves because a lot of times we find ourselves in um, situations or having to adjust to things, and sometimes we want to be set in our ways, but we have to be willing to adjust to change, be willing to adjust to new surroundings and new people and new ideas, and we have to be okay with not understanding, feeling uncomfortable, um, even sometimes feeling out of place. And it's okay because that's a part of change. That's a part of changing because we can't always do the same things that we used to do. And when we have conversations with people, we have to be willing to listen to their points. Uh, even you know, we may not have to like their opinion, but respect their opinion and be open to do new things because sometimes we stay in a rut where we're just continuing to do things over and over the same way. And sometimes you have to do what you never did to get what you never had, and that is all about change. So I'm asking you today, be willing to change. Be open when things are changing around you. Be aware and be blessed. So I'm going to take a little break, and I'm going to come back with our um, next segment. I see you gathered there before. You were all alone, no one that you plan for you at your weakest moment to come and rescue you you were created to produce greatness you will survive this you were born to
Thank you, thank you. We're back. I'll just kind of cut this song short. We're having probably having a little technical difficulties in the studio where the music is playing low, but that was a song called Born to Win by Mr. DJ McKenzie. That is an awesome song. It, it is very encouraging and very uplifting for anybody that's going through or having a, a struggle with anything. That's a very empowering song to let you know that you are born to win. You are, you are born to make it happen. Nothing can hold you back and hold you down. As long as you put all your trust in God, everything will be okay. Again, you are born to win. So I'm going to move into um, my next segment about um, walking wounded. It's, um, I was kind of told it was a little controversial or not necessarily controversial, but it was just uh, it was not a topic that a lot of people want to discuss. And I would imagine so, because there are a lot of people that don't want to admit that they have some wounds. People that walk around angry, there are a lot of people that walk around selfish, there are a lot of people who walk around offended, unforgiving, um, perverted. Um, there's so many flaws. We walk, we we have a lot of flaws, and a lot of people don't want to admit admit those things because if they admit it, then they have to realize that that it's possible that they need to make some changes, and a lot of people don't want to make changes. But what I want to point out about walking around wounded, um, when you know that you're wounded, you tend to, um, when you know that you're a wounded person, you tend to explain yourself a lot, or you do the things necessary to fix the things going on in your life. And person, and, and I would personally speak, um, I dealt with a lot of hurt in my life, a lot of deep a lot of deep hurt and a lot of re- a, a lot of deep hurt, a lot of rejection. So in my life I I knew there um there was a lot of things that made me angry. 
especially when I would treat other people how I wanted to be treated. And then it was like they turned around and they gave me, I gave them sugar and they gave me salt. And it would get me upset. So I would always find myself in a conflict or some type of argument. And I would feel like, you know, like seeing why aren't things going my way until I realized that having that attitude, it wasn't getting me anywhere. Ultimately, it was closing the door for opportunities for me because people didn't know how to deal with it. Some people didn't know how to deal with it, and then some people were just simply not going to tolerate it at all. Somebody who would just blow up, who would just get angry and just, like, tell you have it and just go off on you. There's a lot of people that um, they're not going to tolerate it because, in a way, it's not in a way. It actually does, to a certain extent, show signs of immaturity because it's like you don't have control over your emotions. But after you've been hurt so many times, and you know that you created a safe place for yourself, and you also, uh, the Bible says, well, if you, in order to have a friend, you must first show yourself friendly. If you know that you've shown yourself friendly to people and you've given them love and you, you made them feel okay, and then it's like they come in your environment and they ruin it, it, it upsets you and it makes you angry. Although you feel like you have, you know, you have the right and you're right, you know, it's like righteous anger. There is really no such thing. And you get to a point where you have to admit, like, hey, I have a problem. And when you get to a point where you have a problem and, and, and you do the things necessary to address it. In my life, I took anger management. Uh, I talked to my local pastor. I talked to friends. I talked to my parents. And most importantly, I prayed and I talked to God. And I asked them to work that out for me. And there's now of old wounds being healed, but I admitted I had a problem. Now, the most dangerous person is a person that does not even know that they're wounded. And that's someone who walks around in pride, who feels like I could do whatever I want to do, and nobody is supposed to say anything to me. And in the process of that, those type of wounds where you, it's like you don't know or you're speak you're hot, you know. And the thing about it is you really do know that you have a problem. You really do know that you're holding some things in or there there are some things that you don't want to address because it may be too painful for you. I want to address someone who may not even know that they're wounded. Why I say that is because not only do you go around hurting other people, ultimately you hurt yourself. And you hurt other people by being selfish. When people do open up themselves to you, they see you. They see, like, it's something missing. They see that it may be something you need. And if they can extend themselves to you, they expect to be respected, to be loved back. But sometimes it may, you know, you're not going to always get it when you put it out there. If you're doing it, you know, if that's the kind of person you are, you just be the person that you are and don't change. But when you go around and you hurt other people and, and you, and it's like it's intentional, you know, the first time you make a mistake, it's okay. But when you do it like three and four times and ten times and twenty times, when you just, when it's just like this is just how I am, I'm not going to change, you know, you have to be okay with people walking away from you and people not wanting to deal with that because it's hurtful. 
And when you could come in a, in a in a nice environment, and you could smother the environment with your negativity, with your garbage, with your baggage, when you could come in an environment and just really just kill the joy, steal people's peace, you know, dis, disrupt harmony. When you could do that, that's something you need to take into, you know, you need to, at some point you're going to have to evaluate yourself. You're going to have to come to yourself and say, hey, you know, why is it that I can't, I can't, I can't commit to anything? Why, why is it that I have to just, uh, you know, I go from place to place to place to place to place. I have a void. And and when you realize yourself that you have a void and you want to get it fixed, you you should come to some terms at some point to want to get it fixed. And then you walk around and ultimately you hurt yourself. And, and, again, you hurt yourself because after a while, when people discover what you're about and that you're not going to change, a lot of doors get closed. The negative attitude, the temper outburst, the unfair treatment, the taking advantage of people, it gets old really fast. And yet, forgiveness is the key to healing all wounds as well as time. But again, time. And sometimes you're going to have to spend time alone, time away. Sometimes people are not even going to want to give you the time of day because after you hurt someone so much, and they've had to adjust, and they they realize their value, and they realize their importance, and they realize that they are wasting their breath, they are wasting their energy, and ultimately they are wasting their love on someone who is never going to appreciate it. You get to the point that doors are closed, and you find yourself all alone, and you have to deal with those things. So be mindful that when you are wounded, when you are wounded, you, you can't be upset about the things that come your way. You can't be upset about the people who turn their back on you, the people that don't that ultimately just don't want to deal with that because they are only thinking about themselves. They will take your time. They will take your money. They will take your energy. And when you have that going on, it causes a lot of wounds because the giver, the giver at some point gets exhausted. And the giver now absorbs those wounds. And now it opens the door for other things to come into play, like self-doubt, uh, low self-esteem, um, rejection. It opens the door for those type of, of energies to come in. Very nice. You can be very nice. And you turn around and, and, and then you wonder, why, like, why am I bitter? Why can't I trust? Why is this happening? You start to question. And as you begin to question, you start to doubt. And as you question and as you doubt, you actually, and you harbor all those ill feelings, now you have stepped out of the will of God. Because God requires that we forgive, we forgive the ones that trespass against us. And when we forgive them, he forgives us. And he also lets us know that when we don't forgive, it's pointless to pray because he's not going to hear you. And we want God to hear us. We want God to greatly and mightily in our lives. We want blessings 
We want um, we want understanding. We want um, answer prayers. We we want change. And in order to have that, we have to have a heart of forgiveness. And when we are wounded, we are harboring unforgiveness. We are harboring a lot of uh, a lot of offense. We are harboring a lot of things that hinder us from being uh, connected to God. It hinders us from having happy marriages. It, it um and happy relationships and friendships and and all the things that make life worth living. Wounded people have a tendency to ruin those things. It's either your attitude, how you view things, you're always nagging, or you're always avoiding. You're always avoiding avoiding the real issue. Like, let's get down to the heart of the matter. Let's talk about it. But because blaming me or you're accusing me, uh, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, you have to be accountable. You have to take responsibility. Walking wounded. A lot of times we, um, I was on mute. I apologize. Um, what I want to discuss now is about walking wounded. Um, a lot of times we um, we don't know. Sometimes we know that we're broken, and sometimes we don't know. And for us, the a lot, the ones that know we're broken, I'm going to speak personally and just give a bit of a testimony as far as walking wounded. Uh, in my life, I experienced uh, some deep hurt, even even as a child, and it caused me to have a um, a negative attitude. It caused me to just kind of be very defensive and to stand up for myself and uh, say what I wanted to say, say what I needed to say, not let people um, not let people um, like walk over me or just say anything to me. And I found myself always like going off on somebody and. Um, you know, people tend to like seem like they want to talk to you any kind of way, and you just like, you know, why why are you being disrespectful to me, or, or you know, why why do you, why is it okay for you to think that you can treat me any old kind of way, and I'm supposed to take it? But you get to a point where you have to be willing to change. And the first thing that I did was I admitted that I had a problem. I admitted I had an anger problem, and. I took anger management. I did the things that I needed to I saw help from my local pastor. I talked to my parents. I talked to my siblings. I talked to my friends. Um, and I got feedback about my personality. I, and and most importantly, I talked to God. I, I prayed. I fasted. I read my Bible. I read on about different different subjects. And everything to just get some to get some understanding about what was going on, and I was also very real about the situations that occurred in my life, and I did not ever like try to play victim, but sometimes you are the victim of circumstance, but you don't have to carry that with you the whole time. you have to get over it, and you have to find a way to get over it with the strategies that you learn like. And anger management, one of the things I learned was, like, if it was a situation that was a emotional trigger to me to, like, back away from the situation, um, count 
from one to a hundred or start counting backwards from a hundred. Um, light candles, listen to music, uh, go on walks, have a lot of, uh, do a lot of self-care things, you know, make sure I was doing the things that made me happy so that I could always stay in a good spirit. And a lot of times we have to, we have to do that. And most importantly, one thing that I had to learn was I had to learn how to forgive. I had to let some things go. And even right now today, I'm still in the process of having old wounds healed, healed because you don't want those things to hinder you. Now, the most dangerous person to me is a person that does not know that they're wounded. And that's when um, it's kind of like people let you people let you get away with bad behavior. It's 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 kind of like it's acceptable. They don't ever, you're not ever corrected. It's kind of like oh, that's just how that person is. Where you are. Um, you are emotionally abusive to people where you you manipulate. You do things to try to get your way, and you hurt other people intentionally. And then you have the um, ones that are, um, like, self, very selfish. Like, even in relationships, you have the one-sided relationship with a person, um, a liar, that person who will, like, lie to you to get what they want out of a situation, knowing that they don't really have true intentions to commit to a relationship or that they they will continue to exhibit their behavior over and over and over again. And they expect, like, well, this is just how I am. You just have to deal with it. And, and the way that they try to push it off on you, um, they always say hurt people hurt people. Well, free people free people, people who know what it is to change. They talk to others about change because they know that changing will get you in a better place. And when you tend to walk around and think you could treat other people how you want to, you know, how you want to treat them and that they're supposed to take it, they're supposed to get like the bare minimum and, and, and you take advantage of their emotions. You take advantage of every aspect of them. That's stealing. Stealing joy is stealing peace. And when you open now, you have opened that other person up to low self-esteem, um, rejection, isolation. Because a lot of times when you're when you're wounded, it's it's like the story in the Bible with the Good Samaritan, it's like you're laying there in the road, robbed, beat up, bloody, lost everything, look a mess, and there are people who will step over you simply because you're wounded. They don't have time to talk to you about your issues. They don't have time to pray for you or pray you through. They don't have the time, and they're not going to make the time. And then you do have people who will just say, hey, you know, speak positive into your life, pick you up, dust you off and say, hey, come go with me. Let me, let me nurse you back to health, you know, and, and speak, speak positively in your life. Because wounded people have some of the worst attitudes. The things that they say come from a very bitter and hurtful place. The things that they do are very damaging and very disrespectful, and wounds come from brokenness. And we all know that the Lord is close 
to the brokenhearted in the contrite spirit. Why? Because the people with broken hearts, they are sincere. And it's almost like you wearing your feelings on your shoulders like you just can't take it anymore. So when you cry out, it's a desperation, like, help me, love me, I need you, I need this, I need that. And as much as we want people to help us with our needs, we should want to help ourselves. And when you when you don't want to acknowledge your wounds, you just go through a cycle over and over and over again. And you pull other people into it. It's like a tornado. You just pull them into it like you're making a little funnel and you spin it around and you spin it around. And eventually you create a big mass whirlwind. And we all know that tornadoes can cause a lot of damage. They can wipe out cities. And wounded people can wipe out families. They can wipe out companies. They can wipe out churches. They can wipe out some things because of that negativity, that negative energy. All of it, it just breeds confusion. It breeds hurt. It breeds anger. So I say to you in this segment, be mindful of what you're doing. If you have some issues that you need to address, address them. Talk about them. If you can't find a person to talk to, God is always listening. Our Bible tells us that he is a God that hears. He is always listening. And he knows what it is even before we ask that you have, talk to him. And there is a process called deliverance where you address the things. You address rejection. You you address um, molestation. You address the issues in your life. And you ask God to remove them. And you go through the process of being purged of those things. And as you're being purged, you will feel lighter. And you ask him to seal those empty and broken places. And as he begins to seal them, you will notice a change in your countenance, how you look. You will notice a change in how you talk. You will notice a change in how you act. The things you used to do, you won't do no more. The things you used to say, you won't say anymore. The places you you used to go, you won't go anymore. So be mindful. When you walk wounded, you not only hurt other people, ultimately you hurt yourself. And we all know that the safest place in the whole world is in the will of God. And when we harbor wounds and unforgiveness, all those other things, we are on the other side of the will of God, and that could be very dangerous. So I charge you to change. And I'm going to move into my next segment. We're going to take a break, and I'm going to move into my next segment. I'm just trying to hide it from 
And when we wear that collar and we take those positions, people really look at us to lead them. They they look at us as like an example. And we don't want to send the wrong message. Now, it stated that, you know, she did speak to her senior leaders, and in the process of her speaking to her senior leaders, they all laid hands on her, and they prayed for her, and they said that they supported her. And, you know, she let out a sigh of relief of the shame she felt, you know, and in that moment she received deliverance. And I respect all of that. I really do. But we still have to be mindful of the message that we're sending. Because as as female leader, a larger population in church is women. And you have young ladies as well as older ladies who are single, that you don't want to leave the impression on them that that's okay. Again, when you hold that seat and you stand in that position, people are looking at you to lead and looking at you to be, you know, if you're not married, they are looking for you to be celibate. They are looking for you to talk to them about the process of waiting and and how holiness is always right. Holiness is always right. And I did get the opinion from a couple of people. I talked to a 17-year-old young man who said that he wouldn't have a problem sitting under uh, a pastor like that because it showed her strength to go uh, to continue to go on in spite of. And then I spoke with another young lady who was an adult and she basically stated that she couldn't sit under that type of leadership simply because certain type of sin leaders, you know, spiritual leaders should not commit that basically you're asking me to live one way and then when you leave out the door, you're secretly doing some other things. And had you not got pregnant, we would never know. So how can you help me, truly help me, with what I'm going through and what I'm struggling with. How can you truly help me? And I did get an inbox where it was just like, you know, I was asked, was I okay? And I'm like, are you okay? You know, that's a senior leader's job. You know, you have to restore her, and it's better to be asked. Uh, It's better for someone else to sit her down instead of, you know. The thing about it is, as a woman in ministry for 14 years, there was a struggle simply because I had two children out of wedlock. And knowing that one day I would have to stand before people and I was responsible for that soul, I was more convicted by dishonoring God than I was about the people around because there are a lot of people who walk around and do things and they can be lying and most of the time they are lying and they're not living the life that they preach about and I stand by be not deceived God is not to be mocked 
that we don't violate that sacred debt. And that sitting there, he is looking at me. He knows what I do when I go home. He knows what I'm doing at all times. And if I'm pretending to be one way and I'm really another, I'm being a hypocrite. And that is misleading because our Bible even tells us, woe unto the shepherd that scatters the sheep. That is something that can destroy people's mentality towards the church. And we are allowing certain things to go on. Now, if she is sitting under her leadership, whatever her leadership decides, that's her leadership. But personally, speaking for myself, that would have been a moment that I would have had to sit down until everything was over and be uh, restored back to position, meaning I would not have stopped leading as far as administrative-wise, but that's when I would have given my other uh, associate pastors, my other ministers, I would even brought people in to speak during that time because it's a a time for me to be still. It's a time for me to reflect. It's a time for me to think. It's a time for me to, you know, really go through some um, deliverance, really make sure and get on the right track. So when I come back before my congregation again, my congregation will be able to witness me, you know, writing my wrongs with God, not necessarily writing them to them and apologizing every chance I get, but they would they would see me working on myself, making sure not to ever make that mistake again. But the good part is the uh, pastor is um, she will be getting married to her fiancé after um, after she has the baby, but you know, at the end of the day, we all make things, we all make mistakes, we all stand and fall short of the glory. But when we sit in those positions, sometimes we have not sometimes we have to be mindful of what we're doing all of the time. Somebody is always watching, and you have people who can watch and be forgiving, and then you have those people that are watching just to scrutinize. You have those people that are watching just to tear down the church. And since a lot of a lot of Christians really don't read, they really don't really read the Bible. They do not study to show themselves approved. The workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's really not a lot of uh, Christians who read their Bible and really understand what it is to be a part of the kingdom. So, when you come in contact with people who want to argue with you about your faith, you it's a lot of times you look lost. It's a lot of times that you're lost because you don't know what the word says. And the word clearly defines what we should do when we are in those seats. The, the word is, is, is very thorough. It does not leave a lot out. There is every topic to be discussed and God's thought on the inside of the Bible. So I say to anyone who may, you know, who is looking for a church home, make sure you have a Bible-based Jesus, New Testament Jesus-believing church to belong to because a lot of the things that are going on now, there are some things there to deceive the masses. There are some things there to, you know, lead you down the wrong, lead you down the wrong path. There is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right and good to a man. 
but it leads to destruction. So be careful not to be deceived because even as a believer, you have a responsibility to study. You have a responsibility to yourself to develop a relationship with God, to have a relationship with Christ, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have a responsibility. It is not your pastor. Your pastor cannot get you into heaven. You have to know how to get into heaven. And the only way into heaven, is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and believing he is the Son of God and that he died and he rose on the third day. On the third day, And it tells you that no man comes to the Father but by me. And he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And know that it is through Jesus Christ that we have access to the Father. So we have to be mindful even of our leaders and what they're doing. How are they running their households? How are they treating their spouses? How are um how are they functioning? How are how are they doing things? There's a lot of things that we have to look at when we are when we are choosing a leader. And we also have to be careful not to be led astray. Because even being led astray, you cannot stand before God and say, I did not know. Brethren, do not be deceived. Brethren, do not be ignorant. It's not just the spiritual gift, who your God is. And I'm gonna take a break.
you don't have to copy other people. There are so many people who watch YouTube and they try to mimic how someone does their service. So you're bringing in false worship. You're bringing in entertainment. You want to entertain people when it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise, where you already have the atmosphere set. You should already come with an open heart telling him how good he is and that you come together and you come together to worship him. You come together to invite his presence. So when we bring in that entertainment spirit, we're it's like we're doing what we have to do to, you know, gain membership. Um, you have people who, um, you know, the false teachers who come in and teach other doctrines. They, they teach other things to um, – divert people away from the word of God. They have their own philosophies. We have a lot of new age practices and, and, and new age things that we're trying to bring into the church where, you know, even the Bible clearly defines that, you know, to stay away from these things. It, it says that, you know, you ought to keep it you ought to keep it separate. And you have to be ye holy because God is holy. So when we're in church, we have to be careful of what we're doing. We have so much um clapping and dancing and jumping and so much going on that, you know, some uh, uh, unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe, they come in and it's confusing. They see all type of behavior going on. And they're like, what is going on here? Or this is just like a club, you know, where you, you know, you bring in a song in, um, you bring the songs in from the radio and, you you know, you're turning them, you, in your mind, you think you're turning them Christian. You think that you're adding, you cannot add God to everything. Some things are just, they, they just does not have his spirit or his oil on it. Some things just need to be left in the world. And it says, do not conform to this in your mind. And I definitely want to make sure, you know, we have so many um, false prophets, we have so many people that um, want to prophesy cars and want to prophesy wealth and they want to prophesy the things that people want to hear, but we don't have a lot of people attacking the soul wound, um, you know, wanting wanting to break break the chain, wanting to be a a person to really come in and and do the work of the Holy, you know, really do the work of the Holy Spirit where you're talking to a person who has been suffering for a long time, and you speak to them where they have an encounter with God, we're too busy trying to entertain. We're too busy um, We're too busy just doing doing things that we see other people doing, and, and it's like uh, the trend. Even with praise and worship, um, there, um, a lot of choirs have been destroyed because it's like people rely now on the praise and worship team. But the Bible also clearly outlines to us that we need all type of songs. We need the hymns. We need the praise and worship songs. We need all of that. And when you you cancel out one auxiliary in the choir, you you cancel out an auxiliary like the choir. You know what happens to the directors? What happens to the ministers of music? What happens to those people who have the gift to usher in the spirit? Now you've taken, you're taking jobs away from people who 
who can discern the spirit, who can discern the atmosphere of where the shift needs to come because we're too busy listening to the latest songs and we want to sing the latest songs and we want to do the new things when we haven't even really covered the basis of the old things where when we wasn't okay to take devotion out of the church where there's a way that you come to God. There is, you know, reading the scriptures, saying the prayer. And, you know, there's a lot of things in church that are just like routine, but you are supposed to bring your, your tithes and your offerings to the storehouse to do all of that. But it gets perverted to the point of where it's not church anymore. It's a spectacle. And you, you have um, every musician that's playing in a church. Females that's got to plan a set for a secular artist or his inspiration may be secular music. What spirit is he pumping into the atmosphere? What is really going on? And, again, we have a lot of the false prophets who come in and they, they, talk, about, they talk about cars and they talk about, um, you know, finances. They, they talk about a lot of things. And then you, have, then you even have, like, this a word of faith where you just have feel-good messages and encouraging messages. And you, you don't want to touch on the topics of adultery. You don't want to touch on the topics of um, having a sanctified marriage and raising your children and not provoking your children to wrath and attending service regularly. Like, a lot of the issues that really, you know, there is good and bad and ugly because Jesus, he walked amongst all types of people, and he talked to them, and he met them where they were. He didn't just tell everybody uh, feel-good things because when he, even when he sat at the well and he talked to the um, the uh, woman at, the woman from Samaria, he talked to her about the things that were going on in her life. He talked to her about, like, yeah, you had five husbands and uh Man, you live away now is not even your husband, but, you know, let me give you some living water that you are never thirsty again. Let me let me tell you about the goodness of God. And he, he talked to her, and he, he, at that very moment, he was an oracle, and he spoke into her life, and he let her know that God had greater. And people nowadays need to know that church is just not a um, casino where you just go put your money in and you start to get a blessing out, that living the kingdom life is a lifestyle. That's who you are. That's your power. You have gifts. You have supernatural abilities because you serve a supernatural, all-powerful God who can bring heaven down to earth, who can do great and mighty things. And it tells you that signs, wonders, and miracles follow the believers. And that we need to be raising up believers. We need to be teaching people how to pray versus praying on people. You have a lot of pastors even still who they have a lot a large congregation of women, and they think it's okay to manipulate these women to sleep with them, to have um to have um extramarital affairs on their wives with the women in the church. Where you have these women, you have these first ladies who. Deal with their husbands being gone. You know, deal with their husbands having to um, deal with all the issues and matters of what goes on in the church. And then you have to sit there and know that the other woman is in the audience, is is a part of the congregation. How embarrassing. That is very embarrassing. And this is something that has been going on for a long time. 
But God is raising up a generation of believers that worship him, that truly worship him in spirit and in truth. And he is doing a change inside of his church that where you think you could come and have a stuff show, where you think you could stand in his pulpit pregnant, where you think you could stand in his pulpit and lie, and you even think you can come up to the house of the God any kind of way, that is going that is going to be no more. He is raising up a standard in his people and he is, and holiness has always and will forever be right. And that's for anybody. That's people who smoke cigarettes, people who smoke weed, people who drink. We all have problems. We all have issues. And that's why we're in the church. But when we come into places that condone those type of behaviors and never address it, we are in the wrong house. We are in the wrong house. And we are even saying it's okay to my God. It's okay to just do any and everything. And it's not. We serve a very loving God, but we also serve a very terrible God. He says that he requires us to do certain things. And if he could smite a whole city, for people think that Sodom and Gomorrah was, was strictly destroyed over homosexuality. Sodom and Gomorrah was truly destroyed because of idolatry, meaning they put other gods, they put other things before him. And when we, if he could smite a whole city because we put other things before him, what do you think he would do to our just made up any kind of way churches? What do you think he would do to our fake marriages, our, our, our sexless, loveless marriages that, that's just a cover so that we could appear one way, but really in reality we're doing other things. He is putting a stop to those things. And marriage is, is sacred. And it will, he will not even allow marriages to be perverted and, and that for people to continue to think that they could get away with certain things, especially in his house that we have to be mindful of what we're doing when we're just entertained. Praise and worship is what we are to do. That is what we were created to do. And we have to know, we have to get to a point with ourselves where we don't just know him as God. That is his title. We have to get to know him as Abba. We have to know him as Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Jehovah Nisi, the banner over us. Jehovah Enkadesh, we have to know him as the God that sanctifies us. Jehovah Shammah, the God that's always present. Jehovah Tadishkanu, our righteousness, and all the other attributes of him. El Elyon, the Most High God, he wants us to know him in every aspect. And when we start bringing these little things into his house, if Jesus ripped them out for selling things and making um making the temple like a market, don't you think God will, will, will scatter us because we're, we're perverting his house? We have to be mindful of what we're doing today, church. We have to be mindful of the things that we're doing. And I've said, and I'm going to keep saying, holiness is always right. It doesn't happen overnight. Deliverance is necessary. Salvation is free, but you have to work it out. You have to get on the right path for God, and you have to get yourself in the right house, the right house that's a New Testament Jesus-believing, a Bible-based church. You have to get in the right house so that you can grow, so that your gifts can be uh, pulled out of you, so that, you're, so that you can walk in your purpose. 
Because when you stay in situations that stifle your growth, you are saying it's okay for me to be less than what God created me. So if I would just entertain this broken church just so I could be the minister of music or just so I could be a minister, that means that you you have that mentality just as well. Even if you have to go to a house where all you do is sit down and you worship him in spirit and in truth, you have to do what's necessary to be pleasing in the eyesight of God because, you are responsible. You do not get away with observing and even participating in that kind of behavior. Again, be not deceived. He's not to be mocked. So you be careful where you go. And also, as leaders, we have to be careful what we're doing. We have to be careful what we're putting before our congregation. We have to be careful what we're teaching. We have to be careful of what we're saying. We have to be very, very careful. Because many are led astray. And again, I say, woe to the pastors that scattered the sheep. Woe to them. You have to be very careful. Because not only is that person's blood on your hands, that other person, they have to stand before God. And there is no way you can stand before him and say, I don't know. I didn't know. There are a lot of spirits mentioned in the Bible, but being, but not knowing and being ignorant is not one of them. You are warned to not be ignorant. You are warned to study and show yourself approved. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have a responsibility even yourself as a believer not to pervert the word or not to entertain the perversion of the word. So you have to be. Thank everyone for listening. Uh, if you have any, um, I know I have some callers. If you have some uh, comments, you can press 1 and we can have a discussion or... I'm going to go ahead and sign off, and, I, again, I thank everyone for listening. And, um, again, this is the Soul Cafe. And I'm going to move into my next segment where it says, um, what is on your mind? I know what is on my mind is, hmm, what's really on my mind right now is dealing with transition. It's just uh, trying to wrap my mind around this um, forgiveness and even trying to wrap my mind around the new moves that I'm making to a new home. It's it's a lot of work that needs to be done. I don't know how it's all going to be done, but I'm believing that it will. I'm believing in cooperation and participation from my family. And when I talk about this wrapping my mind around forgiveness, it's just – you go through things, and you go through things with people, and sometimes you're not going to get the apology that you want. And even if you go to people and try to talk to them, and they, like, brush you off, or they say, oh, that's the past, I'm not dealing with it, oh, you need to let it go, and, you know, you still have to be, um, you still have to forgive. You still have to be forgiving and work on, uh, and still continue to work on changing. And that's something I'm working on because a lot of situations that I've had in my life that did cause some deep wounds, you know, the response has been a little negative. And I'm trying to work my mind around that and not be offended. And, um, you know, not be offended by family members, not be offended by a spouse, not be offended by my children, not be offended by different things that go on because they're, you know, 
when you are a person to uh, give, you get to a point where you get tired. But I stand on the word that he says, be not weary and well-doing because you do season your reap if you faint not. So I'm not going to faint. I'm, I'm just waiting on my reaping time. But I sure wish you to hurry up. But God moves in his own time and his own spirit. So that's on my mind today. Anybody want to chime in and have something on their mind, you're more than welcome to. Hi, you're on with the Supper Cafe. Hello. I do apologize. I have a very, I have a bad cold. But I just wanted to say, on your subject about the um the pregnant on where pastor, I feel as though God placed us in situations so we in order us to have a testimony. You can't expect for someone to come to you and want to talk about certain things if you've never been in the position where that person has been before. I'm not going to go and talk to a person about an addiction if that person has never struggled with an addiction and has something to say that they overcame from. If you've never been in that place or been in that certain situation, who are you to tell me what I should and should not do or how I should and should not respond to that situation? That's kind of like how, um, how, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, how the pastors always, you know, tell you, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. But they got a story behind it because this happened to me when I did this, and this is how God brought me out of this situation. One day, that lady is going to be able to stand in front of her congregation of young women and be like, this taught me this lesson. Yes, I was a pastor, and I had a baby. I wasn't married, but God did this for a reason. This was showing me this, and it brought me to this next stage in my life where, okay, I, I was able to move past. I was able to put that past me and still step up to the plate and use that as my testimony. I respect your opinion, and to a certain extent, I I agree, so let me say that. But a lot of times when it comes to things like addiction and things like that, um, sometimes you don't necessarily have to, you don't necessarily have to go through something to help someone, because even as a leader, you, you have a responsibility to tell them what the word says, but what you will do as a good leader is if you've never struggled with addiction, you will refer them to someone who can help them because not everything your pastor or your leader has ever had to deal with. And then I respect what you say about um, being a woman pastor and things like that, but the thing about it is in this particular situation, as a pastor and fornicating, that is what we are, that is what the focus in that situation is about because standing before people and telling them don't do this and don't do that, the word of God says this and the word of God says that. As a pastor, you are the first partaker, and you should you should know it and live it and hear it yourself. And you have to be careful what you're doing because everybody, you know, I thank God that you're un, you would be understanding. Everybody is not understanding, and when we take those seats and we take and when we take those seats and we take those positions, we are held to a higher standard, and not necessarily by our by the congregation. We're held to a higher standard by God. And yes, she may you know she may be able to stand in front of them and say, "Oh, 
you know, this happened to me and God brought me here. Yes, she has a she will have a dynamite testimony, but in this moment, she is also forfeiting some benefits as well as, you know, it was stated that she may not get asked to speak a lot of places or by putting herself out there a certain way, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know that the reperc the repercussions of that because that that is that it really is, it is really something to consider when you sit at a sacred desk like that. But again, I respect I respect your opinion. I respect where I re, I do respect where you're coming from, and especially when you say you can't tell me anything if you haven't been through it. Yes and no. Because there are, everybody knows that there are consequences to situations. Now, sometimes people, and there are two ways that people learn. They learn through the wisdom of others by someone telling them, and some people learn through pain. So it's just really the way that you're wired to learn, I believe. you have anything else on your mind? Thank you. I have another caller. Good evening. You're in the, you're in the Soul Cafe. How you doing, Soul Cafe? I'm all right. How are you? Wonderful. Um, I don't know if you talked about the topic of the uh, Shirley Caesar epidemic that's going on right now. Okay, and I didn't, but that's on your mind. I just want to say with that situation, um, there's been a lot of posts where they in church playing a song, kids are dancing, fraternities are strolling and stepping to it. And I believe that the church took uh, it out of content with the social media. Now, just because things have I, a church I agree. Feel, just because there's a church field and a church subliminal message in it, but that don't mean that it's something that should be, just just my opinion, played in the church because that was not like she actually sung it in the church. Now, she's running with it to make people happy. And, and for some people, it is a blessing to know, you know, you know, he did make make it. He, he made it. You know, he, he put it together for you. He made it happen for you to have food on your table, clothes on your back, things like that. But when it comes down to you have fraternity sorority strolling in front of your pulpit, in your pulpit, they is doing the nene, the bop, and all other. I think now we got out of content of, Christianity of of respecting the church and those pastors and ministers that allow it to me is this is my opinion is just wanting um, to me they falsify what they standing up there saying because that okay. to me just shit played and shouldn't be took out of context. Yes, she's a, a predominant woman and and. Uh, in the in the church community as well as you know a powerful singer and things like that and if you know and if all these other 
kid that's out here rapping Chief Keith, Lil Young, Bro, all them cats could, could make a hit and people like it and then it's something that it can get the young people into the church more, that is fine. But just her recognition alone, knowing that it's Shirley Caesar doing it, that is enough. Not to just play the record in the church and try to start a shout ministry as if it's really bringing you into bringing you into worship. You know, it, it's you know I, I saw one pastor at the party say he he made it. He right behind her. He made it. Trying to turn it into more of a and it just it just went out of walked out the church. I because I don't want to be in that disrespect of my God doing doing the worldly things in inside of inside of the temple, you know. To me I think if it was the time then where Jesus was able to walk in and they caught him strolling, he'd have been flipping them tables over for the second time. Asking what is we Amen. doing in his temple. I agree. That is I not agree. that is I don't it's not um it's just it's not Christ like any worldly things. Let's leave it in the world. No matter if it's no matter if it's a who the person that's doing it that's standing up. Let's leave it in the world because it let it would have been any other person singing the same song and and had the same rhythm and everything. But it wasn't Shirley Caesar. Then you will be shunning on it. Is it acceptable now? Because it's just her. No, it's not acceptable. You wouldn't have did it if it if it was, it was Ti. You wouldn't have did it if if it was any other singer. You wouldn't play it. So let's not do it now. Let's not say that it's okay to do inside the temple when you got cute dogs barking and 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 if you ain't in the college, then you may not understand why I say it's not appropriate for Greek to me to be strolling in front of the church. Because some of these sororities and fraternities, all that they're doing, but some of it is demonic. Some of it, you could create its own spirit behind it. These folks go through to even wear them letters, to even do the dance that they're doing. They go through hell and back, excuse me, for that. And so why would we accept that and allow that into our temple as if that is okay? That's all I have to say on that situation. I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I definitely like the input in the uh, segment of what's on your mind. And just to clear up the um, Shirley Caesar, uh, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, ham, chicken, turkey, you name it. That story is based on like a sermon that she did about a man named Shout John who basically joined a dead church. And when he joined the church, he was shout all over the church. And all the super religious people, they were just like, oh, he got to get out of here. He needs to leave. He's tired of him. He just do nothing but shout and jump and dance all the time. And so they pulled up to his house. And the deacons and everybody, they got out of their fine cars, as she said. And they got out. And he said, I know why y'all here. He said, y'all, y'all tired of me dancing all over y'all church. He said, but I have something I got to shout about. He said, I'm 90 years old. And when they walked up to him, he was plowing his field at 90 years old. And he said, you know, 
I got a lot to be happy for. I got a lot to be thankful for, and I'm going to praise God every chance I get because all this land, all these acres of land I own, he gave it to me. It's never been taken away from me. And he said, and every year I have a harvest. And then when he goes on to say what she said, I have beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chickens, turkeys, you name it. He was thanking God for the things that he had been blessed with. And I agree with what the brother just said, that a lot of times we take things and we we just pervert it. But at the same time, I thank God for just a little remix a little bit because somebody didn't know who Shirley Caesar was. Somebody didn't know that she was a pastor. That, that song been out for years. Somebody didn't know who she was and the fact that they tuned into it, looked into it. I'm quite sure it's some people it's it's a few people now know the story of Shout John and don't just know that little jingle that somebody decided to make a remix to just for Thanksgiving. So again, I, I thank the brother for his uh, input and uh what's on your mind. And I thank again, I thank everybody for listening and I invite you back next week where we'll have some more interesting topics, and we're going to get this studio together so our music play a little louder. But, again, I thank you. You all have a blessed week. You have a blessed evening. Know that God loves you. He hears you when you pray. Forgive other people so that your Father in heaven can forgive you. And I'm signing off of the Soul Cafe. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Ch -ch 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 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.